Welcome everyone to another episode of Inside Line Podcast with Dr. Daniel Cameron. Tonight we will be discussing the case of a nine-year-old boy who presented with abdominal pain as his first symptom of Lyme disease and the subsequent onset of attention deficit and ataxia or difficulty in walking. Thank you, Dr. Cameron, for joining us. I'm happy to join you, Darlene. Can you tell us where you first read about this case and how new it is? Well, I read about this in the Italian Journal of Pediatrics by Savasta and colleagues. And this particular article came out November of 2020. So it's a relatively recent article. This is an interesting case because it focuses on abdominal pain in a child, which is a common symptom that pediatricians see. So can you tell us a little bit about the history in this case? Well, when a boy comes in who's eight, there's always a number of different diagnoses that one might consider. It appears as if they went through the regular standard workup. You know, most of the workups involved a stomach evaluation. You press on the stomach. Sometimes you might even look at the gallbladder, uh, look at uh, other parts of the stomach. They may do an x-ray. But ultimately, they weren't able to find a cause for the abdominal pain. And uh, the pain continued over the next two months. So at that particular point is that we had an unresolved problem in an eight-year-old boy. So the boy actually was first seen in the hospital at, at age eight, right, with, with abdominal pain. Yes, he was hospitalized and, and which with severe enough pain to uh, be admitted and undergo this testing. But then, but then the uh, stomach pain remitted over the next two months and had disappeared for, for a little while. Yes, uh, about a year later, uh, the boy was evaluated and somewhere during that year, he developed learning difficulties and they identified attention deficit problems, irritability, he had trouble walking so he was admitted to the department because of what they call ataxic gait, which is difficulty walking. He also had trouble speaking and uh, the attention deficit that I just mentioned. So at this particular point, the doctors uh, look broader than just abdominal pain. What were some of the tests that, that were run at that time? At that particular time, um, because the problem was not just the stomach, they were looking at the nervous systems. So what, what were some of the tests then that, that were performed? The ones that particularly stood out is they did an MRI of the spine and some of the roots were enhanced. You know, the, Normally we always think that they're enhanced or they have white spots in the, in the brain, but sometimes you'll get a white spot or enhancement in the spine. And because the pain seemed to follow the nerves, they decided to call it abdominal neuroradiculopathy. Abdominal neuroradiculopathy is a mouthful, and you start thinking, where do they get that word? So the radiculopathy means there's pain running down a nerve, and so we most often see pain running down the arms and legs. You don't have to show arthritis. You don't have to show damage to the nerve. You just pain running down uh, the nerves. Now, I've seen uh, radiculopathy, but it's not always uh, 
clear cut because people tend to blame the shoulder, blame the hip, blame the back, where sometimes it's just shooting pain and it doesn't always have to be constant. But because it involved the spinal cord, they decided to call it abdominal neuroradiculopathy. That means they don't have to prove that there's something wrong with the nerve, just prove there's something at the dorsal nerve and uh, something involved the, the pain in the stomach. Lastly, during that evaluation, they did a spinal tap and blood tests. So both the spinal tap and the blood tests showed evidence of Lyme disease. So now you have a story of a nine-year-old with a broad range of issues, that learning issues, the irritability issues, trouble walking, and abdominal pain. And that's where they decided that they should do something about Lyme disease. In hindsight, they said these symptoms were developing during the course of the year. They didn't give what other issues that occurred the year before, they were focused so much on the stomach. In this case, now with all of the other broader issues, the differential included some other neurologic disease, and that's where the diagnosis of Lyme disease came into the picture. Well, in, in hindsight, they, they did a little bit more of some um, medical history collection, and they found that the boy had been actually bitten by a tick, right, a few weeks prior to the onset of abdominal pain. It's not clear that they asked about a tick or a rash when the child was eight. They were focusing on the stomach. Now, my experience with children is that stomach is one of the first places that you might think about Lyme disease. Whereas adults, you know, they might talk about headaches, concentration problems, uh, irritability, headaches, and but in kids, um, they might not talk about the stomach, but that's the, that's the first thing that a, that a child presents with. There was a doctor at in Katona, who always pointed out that often the stomach is the only thing a parent sees first, whereas an adult, there's often other issues. So in hindsight, when you put this case together with a tick bite followed by the, the, the symptoms, is it's easier to look in hindsight. I often ask the broader range of questions beyond the stomach, and that's, in hindsight, something that might have... Uh, pointed out that Lyme disease was a problem. But because Lyme disease was missed, now we have a nine-year-old, one year later, with a broad range of neurologic problems, uh, communication problems, and problems with the stomach pain and uh, walking. And so you hate to see an eight-year-old going on to nine with an illness. So it couldn't have been very uh, comfortable for the child, and it must have been alarming for the parents to have a, a child with neurologic Lyme disease. This is really, it must be really challenging though to recognize because you've got, as you said, just the abdominal pain and then the other symptoms are predominantly behavioral. So you don't yeah. see the typical, the typical Lyme symptoms of, you know, flu-like symptoms or joint pain. I find the nice thing about case reports that if someone puts in uh, PubMed, or puts in uh, Google, you know, neuroradiculopathy, or puts in abdominal pain, it highlights a case, so you can learn from the case. And so hopefully, an eight-year-old who presents with unexplained abdominal problems and some other issues 
the doctor might recall this case and act uh, quicker and save this kid from being sick for a year. So now what was the treatment for this child? The boy was treated with intravenous antibiotic. It's called ceftriaxone, and in the U.S. they call it rocephin as a brand name. And they did this intravenous antibiotics at a higher dose. Two grams is typically used for Lyme disease. Once in a while, three grams is used, which was what happened in this child. I'm not sure why they used three grams. The reason we don't always use a higher dose is that there's always a question, will some of the intravenous antibiotic end up in the gallbladder? And then you have a child with a gallbladder problem. It doesn't hurt the gallbladder itself. It hurts by filling up the gallbladder with some of this intravenous antibiotic. Now, they treat it for three weeks with intravenous. I often um, do four, many doctors do four weeks as a minimum. I reevaluate it four weeks. Instead of following up with any additional intravenous ceftriaxone, they followed up with three more weeks of oral amoxicillin. So they chose this longer therapy because they were concerned with the disseminated and long-lasting illness. And I was concerned myself with uh, an onset uh, as long as a year and the broad neurologic involvement. So I felt really comfortable um, that the doctors uh, looked past just three weeks of intravenous ceftriaxone. Now, the authors write that three months after treatment, the boy's gait and his scholastic performance had improved and resolved completely after one year, and a repeat of his spinal tap showed marked improvements. Yeah, I think that this reminds us that, you know, a boy who's not walking very well and scholastic performance means they're not functioning very well. So this is a child who's in the prime of his life, He's eight and turning nine now, and uh, not just the pain, not just the walking problem, but it actually was affecting his school work and his communication skills are usually involved. And so um, it's very nice that uh, within three months he improved and that uh, within a year, uh, according to the authors, he was completely uh, recovered. Now the authors in the case report write um the importance of, the, of their case report is that uh, they urge pediatricians to consider Lyme disease and the differential diagnosis of abdominal pain of unknown origin in children, especially in countries where the infection is endemic. The radiculopathy, you know, is talked about in adults more, probably because adults know what their baseline is and know how to describe it better. But I thought think kids are always clear on how to describe the pain. Plus, you know, abdominal pain has so many different causes. It's just that in hindsight, this was a great case because it, it affects children. But in, in looking back at the case, you know, there's something that commonly happens called autonomic dysfunction. Let me touch on that a little because a lot of times uh, Lyme disease is... Um, we think of as fatigue, you know, headaches, sensory overload, but the autonomic nervous system, which is like the adrenaline, the fight or flight that's in the system, that tends to regulate autom automatic uh, functions like getting up quick, changing position quick. 
it gives something called POTS, which is a positional orthostatic uh, tachycardic, where your heart knows something's wrong. But that same system that controls the blood pressure controls the gut. So people can have a fair amount of unexplained abdominal pain or unexplained bladder pain or pelvic floor pain, all because those are automatic things. So the autonomic nervous system leads to all these stomach and bladder problems. So even though this author was focusing on, uh, on this neurologic problem that follows the nerve, in actual fact, I see it pain very commonly from the autonomic nervous system problems that we see in Lyme disease. I imagine it's, it's difficult, too, for some of the parents bringing in their, their children who have abdominal pain and find out it's due to Lyme disease, because then your next concern, obviously, is how is the child going to tolerate antibiotics if they already got have abdominal issues? stomach issues? Well, I find that children uh, can often tolerate antibiotics if it's from the autonomic nervous system. They typically improve. Now, it may take longer for all of the neurologic problems, the headaches, the concentration, the school performance to improve. But surprisingly, the the stomach improves rather quickly with uh, an oral antibiotic. And autonomic issues affecting the gut are one of the quickest uh, problems uh, that get better with an antibiotic. Now, did you say that you, you oftentimes see that the abdominal pain or discomfort can come and go in these children? Yeah, the, well, most symptoms of Lyme disease fluctuate in the same day. Sometimes they'll, they'll have a pattern of every week or two. And the stomach is really no different, is that because there isn't anything wrong on the physical exam. It's uh, it's can be overlooked. You know, doctors are used to finding something on a physical exam, or an X-ray, a CAT scan, or they might even put a, a tube in their stomach or in their colon. They might do a stool evaluation, but the whole autonomic problems. If all I have is stomach problems, that gets complicated. But if I ask more questions. An eight-year-old can easily communicate the broad range of other questions if you sit down and ask them. If you know the Lyme disease as a possibility and you ask the right question, you, you will be surprised how many things the child is experiencing that you can um, learn from and put together the story. This one was easier because they must have been doing a spinal tap for some other reason they just and a blood test, and they just happened to get a positive test. And so, in hindsight, they said, Ah, that Lyme disease must be brewing. Let me write a case report and let's share our findings so it can add Lyme disease to the cause of stomach problems. So, at what point do you, do you start to consider Lyme disease, though, in, in a child that's got abdominal pain? Well, I find that not everything's Lyme either. You just have to do the standard workup. I rely on pediatric gastroenterologists, the pediatricians to do an evaluation. So if the pain goes away relatively fast, which it often does in so many illnesses, I'm not going to do much. But if I see someone like that, I might ask the broad range of other questions to see if how complex the problem is. But the most important thing in these situations is to have the parents return for follow-up because if the pain and 
goes away and there's no other symptoms emerge, I'm going to treat like I do with every other patient, which is assume it's something gut or something viral that will go away. But if on follow-up, there's other issues develop, I don't like to wait a year like in this case, where they had scholastic problems, they had troubles with with the walking, and um, this whole central nervous system involvement, which included tension deficits and irritabilities, all of those things, it might have been better to pick it up earlier than waiting until they couldn't walk a year later. So this case reminds everybody to um, that this kind of problem can be overlooked. You know, they didn't have a tick, but to talk about, but the tick just showed up on further questioning during the the exam one year later. And maybe to also not necessarily uh, segment changes or symptoms that develop in children, and maybe kind of look at it as a as a cohesive group, right? Because you you, you could have behavioral changes or cognitive issues develop that you don't even um, necessarily lump in with the physical or the abdominal pain issues. Yeah, I think part of it is the doctor following up with these patients if they're still sick. And part of it is communication with the mothers and fathers that if a broad range of other issues are there, they should at least make sure that Lyme disease gets discussed They may even have to make up a list of other issues that the child is experiencing. Like if they're not eating, that's a piece. But if there's a lot of other issues, they'll have to sit down again. And is there a broader cause than just a structural problem in the stomach? Well, the authors conclude in this case report that an early diagnosis of Lyme disease is crucial as targeted treatment can lead to fast clinical improvement with long-term sequelae prevention. A lot of pediatricians would certainly not necessarily consider uh, Lyme disease or a tick-borne illness uh, with these symptoms. I agree with the authors. I'm glad that they pointed out in this case report that differential diagnosis, including Lyme, is very important. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cameron, for talking about this, uh, this case report, and we look forward to hearing about more. Thank you, Darlene, for leading the discussion. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Stay tuned for future Inside Lyme podcasts with Dr. Daniel Cameron.